Yay, we are live. I don't know which camera I'm supposed to be looking at, but welcome uh, those of you who have tuned in uh, live. It's absolutely wonderful uh, to have you with us. We've had a great time here worshipping together. The kids are in their groups, and hopefully you're probably sitting there in your pyjamas with a cup of coffee. But it's absolutely wonderful to have you. We are coming to the end. It's the last part of our sermon series um, called World Changes. The idea that us as followers of Jesus Christ, as we follow in his footsteps, has the potential to change the world through our actions. And the last part of our series this morning is about unleashing the power of compassion. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 13 to 21. This is a really weird experience. For the last year and a half, I've been able to sit there in front of a camera, do my sermons. If I make a mistake, I just cut it out. Uh, it's not going to be quite so uh, easy uh, now. So we will see how we go. Let's read Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. For many of you, this will be a familiar passage. When Jesus heard what was happening, he withdrew what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, so Jesus is coming on the Lake of Galilee, he comes into land on the boat, hoping to escape the crowds. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Now, I don't know what sort of caterer you are. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but my question for you is really, do you over-cater, do you under-cater, or do you get, try to get by with just enough? You know, I've been to... My mum over-caters, which is great growing up. Our plates were always full of food, and when people came over, there was always lots of leftovers. Particularly enjoyed it when she used to make these sausage rolls. And I said, yeah, homemade sausage roll. And there were always leftovers for me during the week for my pat lunch. I tend to over cater. We had a, a family from church round for dinner last week. There was four adults and five children. And I did a couscous salad for eight to ten. Let's just say we were trying to force feed the kids couscous for the rest of the week. I over cater because I don't want to run out. And we have a God who over caters. We have a God who is generous and gives us abundantly more than we need. And we see in this familiar um, story, this familiar miracle for most of us, 
It says in verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. They were full up. They had everything they needed. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. How wasteful. You know, what are they going to do with all that extra food? God is a, pers- God, is a God who is extravagant and there is leftovers. If you're thinking, oh, well, God just gives us enough to get by, well, that's not what we see here. That's not what we see in God's Word. God is a generous, extravagant God that gives us abundantly everything that we not only need, but also many of the things that we want as well. But having said that, that's not what we're talking about this morning. In fact, we're not even going to look at that miracle. We're just going to be looking at verse 13 and 14. I just thought it'd be nice to read the miracle again, because it's good to to hear of what God can do, what Jesus did. Because it's this idea of compassion. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus had compassion. Now, I don't know whether you are a compassionate Person. It might be useful just to get a definition of what compassion uh, is. And this is where my notes are all over the place. And I'll find it. Aha. So this is a definition I looked up uh, on compassion. It says, compassion is the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Let me read that definition again. Compassion is the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. See, this is not just empathy. Empathy is when you can put yourself in another person's shoes, feel what they are feeling. This is not just empathy, because it's empathy moved to action. You feel for the person and you feel compelled to do something about it. And that's exactly what Jesus did here. He saw the people, he felt compassion for them, and he healed them. He saw, he felt, he acted. Like I said, I don't know whether you are a compassionate person, but I struggle to be compassionate. Because there's so much stuff in life that stops me from being compassionate. So many feelings that I have about myself and about life. There's so much busyness. Let's just stop for a moment and see the context that Jesus was in when he felt this compassion. When he saw, he felt, he acted. Let's look at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When he heard what had happened, what had happened that caused Jesus to go and go and find some time on his own, a quiet place? What would happen was in the previous verses, we find out that John the Baptist was executed by Herod. And this wasn't just any guy. This was John the Baptist that heralded the arrival of Jesus. This is John the Baptist who was a cousin of Jesus. This is John the Baptist who had baptized Jesus as he started his ministry. This wasn't just some guy they spotted on the news. This was someone Jesus knew. And maybe Jesus also not only felt grief and sadness, maybe he felt a little bit of fear when it kind of reminded him of where his ministry was going. Ultimately, he was going to a point where he would be executed too. 
So in, this is the context of grief and fear and sorrow that Jesus retreats to a quiet place. In Luke's Gospel, when he talks about this story, he picks up on the idea of Jesus and his disciples being burnt out, being tired and needing rest. Now, I don't know what you are feeling at the moment. Perhaps you're tired. Perhaps you're burnt out. Perhaps you're full of sorrow and sadness. And it's when we're in that context, when we're feeling those things, that we find it incredibly difficult to feel compassion for other people and to act on those feelings. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. It tells us in Scripture that if you want to know what God is like, then look at Jesus. Jesus was compassionate, and we have a God who is compassionate too. Time and time again in the Old Testament, it tells us the Lord, the Lord God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's something that's repeated time and time again in the Bible. If you go back to the book of Exodus, when we have the nation of Israel, they're, they're in captivity in Egypt. Their life is hard. They're being forced to labor. And God sees, he feels concern for them, and he's moved to action. He sends Moses into their midst and we had the plagues and ultimately the nation of Israel is freed from slavery. We also had this, the fact that we, Jesus was here in the first place. God saw the plight that we are in because of the sin in our life. He felt love and compassion for us and he acted. He moved into the neighborhoods and he died on the cross. And Jesus, God, our heavenly father, is doing that now. He sees you in the plight that you are in, the difficulties you have. He feels compassion for you and he is acting in your life. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Because we have a kind, compassionate and loving God. Not only feels, not only sees, but acts as well. So this, story, this series about being a world changer is about us following in Jesus' footsteps, doing the things that he did. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. It says, To follow Jesus is as much or maybe more about feet as it is about ears and eyes. In other words, it's no good saying the things that Jesus said if we're not doing the things that Jesus did. It's no good saying the things that Jesus said if you aren't doing what Jesus did. That's not going to change the world if you're just repeating the teachings of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to also do what he did and to walk in his footsteps, to follow his feet. So how can we do that? What are some practical points that maybe can help you to become more compassionate? Well, first thing I'd say is about being intentional. If you're not naturally a compassionate person, or maybe you feel things but you're unable to act on them because you're just too busy in life, then start to be intentional. Make a decision. Maybe today, I want to be a more compassionate person. I want to not only see, but I want to feel. And I don't want to just feel, but I want to act as well because I want to follow in Jesus' 
footsteps. And for some of you, that will mean that you need to slow down and create some opportunities in your life. I am too busy. I've got too many things to do to be able to stop and help someone. We need to be intentional and create space. Also, you need to put yourself in someone else's shoes. The problem with life at the moment and the echo chamber is social media. We focus so much on ourselves and our own opinions and we get caught up and, and het up about things and people that we don't take time to stop and put ourselves in their shoes. Those people that are struggling with debts or addictions or life in general, we can easily look down and judge them But to be compassionate, maybe we need to stop and think and meditate on what it must be like to be in their shoes. Maybe take time to talk to them and find out what their life is like. Because ultimately, this is about shifting perspective from yourself to others. And I find that incredibly difficult. I am self-centered. And it's not just about me, it's about my family or the things that I have to do, the gardening, the work, putting the sermon online. There's so many things that I need to do that I forget and unable to look at others. There's a book, little book up in the library upstairs called The Art of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. It won't take you long. You might want to just pinch it and read it. Bring it back, though. The Art of Self-Forgetfulness. I don't know about you, but that's a massive challenge to, to me, to forget myself and consider others before my, myself. I think the Bible says something about that, doesn't it? That's how you start to be compassionate. And then lastly, practice kindness. Get those, work those action muscles. Be intentional with going out there and just doing kind deeds, doing nice things for people, because that takes your time. It doesn't mean you have to be moved by feelings of empathy. You might just want to do a nice thing for someone, a random stranger. We had this in Thursday group when we're looking at fruits of the Holy Spirit and kindness being one of them. Kindness is love in action. Actually, let's just do nice things, do kind things, as we had that passage from Ephesians at the beginning of the service. Get used to acting. But ultimately, ultimately, we can do all these practical things, but we need to know that we are loved by God, that God has compassion on us. We need to digest that, ingest it, and we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. I'm going to read from the modern English version because the, way, the phrase it uses is, is really interesting. It says, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need but closes his heart of compassion from him, how can the love of God remain in him? Closes his heart of compassion. If we had the love of God, if we know we are loved by God and we have that love of God in us and we are showing that love of God, then we don't shut our heart of compassion. I think if anything shows us that we are no longer a Christian nation, being political here, is the fact that the MPs voted not to do aid to other countries. You're arguably the most difficult time as a world ever. We have goods, we have money, and we have closed our heart of compassion. How can the love of God dwell in our country, in our nation? 
And yet we are called because we have the love of God. And we are called to acts of compassion. 1 John 3 verse 18, the very next verse. And this is to you guys. My little children, let us love not in words and speech, but in action and truth. 